Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to have you here together today. And uh, for those who are guests, once again, I'd like to welcome you to our congregation and to our worship service today. My name is Wayne. It's my privilege to be part of the pastoral team here, and I'm very glad that we're going to spend some time together looking at Scripture together today. I'd invite you to take a Bible, please, and turn to the Gospel of John. Um, If you're unfamiliar with Scripture, maybe I can help you out. There's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you, and John is about this far through the Bible, okay? As a matter of fact, it's on page 1644 is where we're going to read today. John chapter 16 is where we're going to read. If you grab that Bible, you might want to hold on to it and turn to page 1644. We're going to look at that quite a bit throughout the morning, and so that'd be helpful for you. All right, as a matter of fact, if you don't own a Bible, I I would just say, take that one home. Seriously, take that one home, write your name in the front of it, and consider it our gift uh, to you today for being with us, okay? Uh, And um, I think many of you know that this has been a very unusual week for us as a family, Um, uh, On Wednesday, uh, my father-in-law, Cecil, died, and uh, this is, um, well, well, let me just put it this way. It's it's kind of a surprise, but it's not a surprise. Is that, do you get that? Um, Maybe I'll give you some details. Uh, Leslie and I, we're now 50s. My wife and I, we're now 50s, and obviously we are part of what is known as the sandwich generation, where we have responsibility for some elderly parents. And people in their 50s, that's quite common. You've got parents and then we're sandwiched with uh, also responsibility towards grandchildren. And so for people in their 50s, that's quite common. And we've experienced, you know, this, how do we manage and take care of, of, you know, people behind us and the people in front of us. And I, I think maybe that shows up in a variety of different ways in our lives. I was visiting with a friend uh, this week who hadn't seen for a number of months. And uh, we were chatting and suddenly he, was, he, he really wasn't lo- looking at me per se. And he looked up at me and he goes, Wayne, are you letting the gray roots in your hair come out? And I'm, I'm going, like, did you think I was coloring it before this or something? Or What's with that? And, he, and I go, what, what, what do you mean? And, and so, not the kind of friend you want to have, really, I don't know. But anyways, I'm, I'm, in many ways you could say I'm not surprised that I've got hair that is now this color that didn't used to be. Not because of circumstances, but because of life. And this is, this is the stage of life that Leslie and I find ourselves in. And... Um, our experience this past week is, has been this, that we've experienced the comfort of God in a powerful way. And in the midst of what has in some ways been a surprise, but not, be, not a surprise, given that we've been responsible for Cecil's care for a number of years now, and what had happened and everything. And, but here's the reality. Leslie and I have worked all of our lives with this idea in mind. We're going to see, is there a path that God would lead us on? And are there markers along the way that we would identify so that as we do life under normal, easy circumstances, we've got some direction and some signposts, if you will. And so that we know what to look for when it's easy. We teach ourselves that and have learned that, if you will, I would say from the Holy Spirit. And as we've learned and seen those markers as when life is really good, then when life gets in chaotic or a little bit in a moment of crisis, then that well-worn path leads us to, okay, we've been here before. And we've done this before and we know what to expect and there are some markers along the way. And I got to tell you, friends, there is great comfort in that, in the way in which God works with us and as, for us as our family. 
Dad knew Jesus deeply, and we're going to celebrate that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. But I'm, I'm, I'm sad, but I'm okay. I, I know what it means to experience the comfort of God. And I would like to look at that with you today in Scripture. And ironically, this message was prepared and set as we're going to look at the comfort of God on this weekend, long before anything ever happened with Dad. So it's just kind of like it flows right in. This is the Word of God speaking to me in the midst of... It's a well-worn path. You look at Scripture, and when, when you need to see what's going on in life, it happens to come up at the right moment. So what we're doing, we're looking at how Jesus is portrayed, how Jesus is revealed in the Gospel of John. And perhaps you've been following along with some of the texts that we're sending out. If you'd like to get a text from us a couple times this week to give you a little couple pointers for life, and you look at that, and it's like a three to five minute, uh, take a look at life throughout the day, you can see how you can do that. If you need more information, it's on the back of your program, how you could do that either as a text or as an email, and we'll send that out to you this week, okay? So let's read what, 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 how, how do we find Jesus revealed in the Gospel of John, particularly when it comes to this business of comfort, okay? So we're going to read, beginning in verse 5 of John chapter 16, page 644, and it's really in the middle of a, a long conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, his disciples being the people who walked with him for a number of years and kind of hung out with him. And in the midst of the conversation, we're stepping in verse five. He says, I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. In other words, the fact that I've told you I'm going away they don't yet realize that he's going to be murdered or anything like that. But the fact that I'm going away has got you so flustered that you're not really paying attention to what's going on. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. What do you mean you're going away? And they're focusing on that. And he said, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. Now, some of you may have that word advocate in the version of the Bible you're reading. Notice the capital A. Some of you may have the word comforter or counselor. Perhaps even the Holy Spirit, but there you go. It'll be the advocate. I want you to make note of the capital A nonetheless, okay? But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people don't believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And if you're like me, you start, you start getting lost in all of that. You go, okay, you're going away. The disciples go, what's this? You're going away. And he's, going, he's, he's moved on from that already and start talking about other things. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. They can't, they're, they're can't, they can't track with him. They're just so stunned. What do you mean you're going away? But when he, the spirit, notice the capital S there. So the advocate, the counselor, the comforter is this spirit. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He won't speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he'll make known to you. In other words, he's going to teach you things and all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he'll make known to you. And if you're like the disciples, listen to all this, you go, what on earth was all that? What does that mean? Well, let me see if I can give you a little bit of background to this passage of Scripture. This is at the end of Jesus' ministry. And for the people who were hanging out with him, his disciples, they didn't have the perspective that we have of 
Holy Week or Easter or anything like that. All they had was the perspective of how God had worked with people in the past in the nation of Israel. And for them to hear this business about the Holy Spirit was, well, they didn't know what that meant because their understanding was very much an Old Testament understanding that there were times, specific days, and specific individuals where the Spirit of God would come on someone and they would get to do really cool things. But it was like a one-up every now and then. Samson, for example. Hundreds of years, centuries before Jesus was born. There used to be these border skirmishes between the people of Israel and their neighboring nations. They were known as Philistines. And now and then, the Spirit of God would come on this really big guy. His name was Samson. And he would go out to the border, and you would have where he would literally give what for to the Philistines. And frankly, he'd take on 10, 20 of them at a time and basically beat them up and say, you're not going to do this to the people of Israel. And the Spirit of God would be involved in him, and would, it would come on him for a specific day, for a specific purpose, to get rid of that border skirmish. And from the perspective of the disciples, that's how the Spirit of God worked. And Jesus is saying, it's not going to be like that anymore. He, is, he knows that his murder, his execution, his crucifixion, is just days away. And he knows that, hey, it's going to be completely different for you in the days ahead. So I want you to be aware of this. Do not worry about the future because the counselor, the advocate, the teacher, the comforter, the Spirit of God is going to come and talk to you and teach you things and lead you and guide you and be with you. And for these guys, they just don't get it. They don't get it at all. Here's why. These guys have committed themselves to walk with Jesus. And as they've walked with Jesus and lived with him and done ministry with him, they've got used to the fact that if they ever have a question about life, about love, about money, about relationships, about how the world was put together, they're in the very same room, they're in the very same space as the creator of the universe. The scriptures say that before the foundations of the world was laid, Jesus was there. And so they, they've got, they can go and they can ask the Son of God, hey, what about this? They're with him 24-7 in all the rooms that he's in. And now he says, I'm going to go and there's going to be this spirit. And they're going, well, like, is that Casper the ghost? You know, the Holy Ghost is going to be, what's with that? And Jesus saying, no, it's not going to be like that at all. Because I think if we knew a little bit of, a little bit of Greek, as to what's going on here in the original language, the word that Jesus used. The word that Jesus used in Greek is parakletos, okay? And it's, it does mean counselor and advocate and comforter. It means all those. It means the Spirit of God. But in terms of to understand it fully, perhaps the best way to put it would be say, it's, it means one called alongside to help. What that means is this. These guys have been used to wherever Jesus goes, if they can be close to him, they can hear the word of God. If they've got an issue that needs him to touch, as long as he's close, he can touch them. If they've got somebody who needs to be healed, he can heal them as long as he's close. If he wants to speak to somebody, as long as you can hear him in your same room, the same space, you can, you can hear what Jesus has got to say. But within the context of human limitations, he can only be in one place at one time. He can only speak, get his voice so loud as to teach so many people at one time. And he's saying, this is going to be a huge shift. I'm going to go away. And if I go away, 
then the Spirit of God is going to come, and that Spirit is going to be working just as if I was right beside you. And that now the Spirit of God is not going to be limited to wherever one body can be at one time. No, the Spirit of God can be here. The Spirit of God at the same time can be across in one, another congregation gathering today. It can be, the, the Holy Spirit can be in a congregation all the way across the world, whatever the case. And not only for specific times, but at all times, the Spirit of God is available to us because it is, really means this, this word parakletos means the one called to walk alongside us. So it's, it's like Jesus is walking right with us. When, when Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, wherever you go, I'm going to be there. Now you want to go, ah, I don't know if I understand this. Well, perhaps I could explain it this way. A number of years ago, there, were a group, there was a group of biblical translators in the Central African Republic. That's a, a nation that's right in the very center of Africa. And they were working with a group known as the, the Kar tribe, K-A-R-R-E. And the map's gonna show up on the screens here where you're gonna be able to see that. And, and they were trying to figure out how could we explain what the, who the Kar people are and get their language going right. And how can we, in that regard, how can we, um, let me put it this way, how can we how can we explain who the Holy Spirit is to these people, this business of the one called alongside to help? Well, um, here's what happened. They're watching what's, what's going on, and they're watching um, the, the people there of the Central African Republic, and they see that one day there's these group of porters. You know, what, you know African porters, they've got things on their head, and they're walking into the bush, and they're watching, they're watching these porters, and they see it occur a number of times, and every time they watch these porters, there's something unusual, namely um, eight, 10, 12 guys, and one guy carrying nothing. And so they, the translators, trying to figure out how do you translate this word Holy Spirit into the car language, unaware of what's going on, they say, hey, what's with you guys? You're always going off in the bush, and why doesn't your boss carry anything anytime? And they go, our boss? We don't have a boss. Or, you know, the guy who doesn't carry anything. Well, he's not the boss. We don't have a boss. We just all go together. Well, why doesn't your fellow porter carry anything? Oh, no, he's got a special name. And they give him the name and they go, well, what's his job? Well, his job is that whenever any of us become so exhausted that we're about to fall down, he's the one who falls down beside us and takes our load and picks it up for us. And suddenly the biblical translators, they had the right word for this one who comes alongside us. This Holy Spirit who's, who said, it's, it, when we have the Holy Spirit within us, it's like Jesus is walking right beside us at all times. And what's really cool is that spirit can walk with you, and it's, it's not from one, only one person anymore. Jesus could only walk beside a few people. But now, through the work of his Holy Spirit, he walks beside each and everybody who has faith in him. And some of you are going, well, that's nice, but how will I know? How will I know if the spirit is there? Well, I've got some really good news for you, friends. If you've made a decision to walk with Christ, if, you, if you've made a decision to let Jesus be in charge of your life, did you know that you've already got the Holy Spirit working with you? Because here's what happened to you. You're walking along one way, and you come to the point, you go, this is not working out. There's something that's not quite right, and I want to get my act right with God, and you turn, and it's called repentance, and you walk the other way. 
The Apostle Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter four. He says that at that moment where we go from here to turning around and saying, I'm gonna go a different direction and I'm gonna start relating to God in heaven and he's gonna be my father, the Apostle Paul says that all works because of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear that passage of scripture. It's Galatians chapter four. And Paul's talking about all kinds of different theology. And in the midst of his discussion, he takes like a little rabbit trail and he goes, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls Abba Father. In other words, if you belong to God, if you, God sent his spirit into our hearts to, to call Abba Father. If we have a relationship with God, we say, I, I understand God in heaven to be my father. Did you know that ability to call God your father is dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit wasn't working within you, you wouldn't get to that place. The Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is already engaged in who you are, and it was the Holy Spirit that caused you to go, hey, I'm in this place in life, and I'd like to have a relationship with God. And you turn around and you go, I'm gonna be in a relationship with God, I'm gonna call God the Father. If you've come to that place, did you know the Holy Spirit's already engaged in your life? And the Holy Spirit is already walking alongside you, already teaching you, already advocating on your behalf, so that as you walk, in the moments when it's really cool, you get to see and recognize these signposts, so that when the crisis happens, you can see places of familiarity. In many ways, that's one of the main reasons that we have the Holy Spirit. Because when, when we have Christ's work, Holy Spirit walking with us, some really cool things happen. Look with me in John chapter 14. We were in John chapter 16. But go back just a couple of chapters. Same discussion that Jesus was having with his disciples just a little bit earlier. And verse 25 of chapter 14. It's going to be on the screen. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. So again, he's, gonna, he's telling me I'm out of here, but when the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So here's what the guys are hearing. Jesus is leaving. We're kind of panicked about that, but apparently as we walk, that Holy Spirit is going to teach us and it's going to be literally the Spirit of God walking alongside us. When we fall down, the Paracletos is going to lift us up and he's going to carry our burden and we're not going to do it by ourselves. And by the way, the result of all that is verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. In other words... You get the Holy Spirit walking beside you, you're going to have a peace that is significantly different than the rest of the world. And I would have to tell you, friends, that has been our experience this past week as a family. Maybe you know our story, if I could tell you just a little bit of it. In the fall of 2013, my mother-in-law, Sarah, a gracious, genteel woman of the South, Cecil and Sarah, um, spent their entire lives in North Carolina. They grew up in the mountains of North Carolina. And um, uh, she fell, and she broke her leg very badly. She has Alzheimer's. And the, the result was she wasn't going to be allowed to put any weight on that for three months. And um, because she couldn't remember that she couldn't put weight on it, uh, Cecil felt the best thing to do would be to move into the rehab unit with her and be beside her every moment of every day. So that when she, if she tried to get out of bed, he could say... Sarah, you can't do that. 
And so that occurred, and that was in the fall of 2013. We went out, Les and I went out to see them, and um, long story short, very briefly, Dad said, uh, guys, um, I can't care for us in the way in which I should and like I used to be able to. Given your mother's condition, not only with the leg, but just everything, uh, we need to not be by ourselves anymore, and so I want you to sell the house, pack up everything, and move us to Decatur and find us a place to live, to live close to you. And would you believe Sarah never went back to the house, and Cecil only went back one time. And we did it. We packed up the house, we sold it, we moved them here, and they've, we've had the wonderful life with them for the last two and a half years. They've been living in an assisted, facility, assisted living space down south. And um, I've noticed this, though. I've noticed this, that as they've aged, here we are, the sandwich generation, both ends, right? Taking care of both ends, if you will. And as their ability to care for themselves has decreased, our responsibilities have increased. To the point of a couple months ago, um, oh, more than a year ago now, Dad said, uh, guys, we really shouldn't do our finances anymore, and we should not be responsible for our medical care, so we're going to make you guys power of attorney over every decision that needs to be made for us. And that was fine. It was, he was in the state of mind where that was the right thing to do, and um, we did that. We did all kinds of legal work. And then three weeks ago today, he fell. And uh, long story short, he broke some bones up in the back here of the top of his leg. And the last three weeks have been difficult for him. Was, you know, three, three steps down and two steps back, and then three steps down. And, two, and it's, it's, you never, every, every time we were doing good, we'd never get back to where we were. And so uh, we were starting to wonder, what's the future look like? On Wednesday, Leslie, in discussion and conversation with her brother, Bart, uh, really, we're starting to say, okay, we probably need to approach the physicians and say, excuse me, any sort of aggressive care we need to not do. Now, we don't know what that means, but we've been really aggressive and expecting him to bounce back, and it's quite apparent now that that's probably not going to be the case. And we want to get some input from you as to what that would look like. Well, they never got to have that conversation with the physicians. Dad had a team of physicians around him, and they came in on Wednesday morning, of all things, as Leslie and Bart had made these decisions. Um, they came in and said, before we get into discussions, we think you need to know something. We're of the opinion as Cecil's doctors that aggressive care like we've been approaching and getting engaged in in recent weeks, it's not working and maybe, we not to, maybe we're taking the wrong tack. And we would suggest not being quite so aggressive. And we didn't, you know, what, you know what I like about that? That was the Spirit of God leading our family because we're saying we're leaning in and we're going to have the Spirit of God teach us and show us all things. That was the Spirit of God leading us and teaching us to come to the place long, if you will, long before the physicians did because we're just listening and we're looking for the signposts and you go, Lord, if you if you're sent the Spirit to me to be my advocate or my counselor or my comforter, you and Jesus said you'll teach me all things, then I'm going to lean in for you to help me make decisions. And so as we came to that decision, frankly, the physicians did, and we didn't have to even have to tell them. Now, I will tell you that even as we made that decision, and none of it had actually been put in play yet, per se, sort of, but not, not dramatically. And then I thought, well, you know, Cecil will live for another number of months, maybe a year or so, and to think that he died just a couple of hours later is stunning to us. 
He passed from this life to the next. But I gotta tell you, friends, it's a well-worn path for our family of to know how to handle crises or moments of stress, and you go, I've been here before, or I was trained through this, and so I know what to expect. And there are signposts, and I'll tell you, going from this life to the next, for us as a family, there's peace. It's okay. As a matter of fact, this is the language that people have asked me about this. I've come back with it. You know what? All is well. All is well. We've had great two and a half years as they've lived here with us, and uh, we did it right. Not, not in a proud, arrogant way, but just the Spirit led us. We trusted the work of God in our lives, and we've done it in the past, and here, our biggest concern, frankly, is now how do we care for Sarah, given her mental and memory status, and she can no longer um, understand that Cecil has died. What do we do? It doesn't make sense to tell her that every day. That just brings grief. And, uh, so I would say there are no regrets. No regrets whatsoever. The comfort of God is really close. We've been here before. Not that we've had a father die before, but we've done life with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives before. So it's okay. It's okay. I, um, I'm quite aware of this, that that sense of comfort is found within the body of Christ in many different places. As a matter of fact, many in the life of our church have experienced that comfort along the way, and I think it kind of, it's, it's part of who we are as a congregation. I, and I'd like to illustrate it this way. A number of months ago now, we, um, we, we were asked to conduct a funeral for um, a member of our congregation, an elderly woman. Her husband had died previously, and long story short, we were quite concerned about how we were gonna manage this for the family's sake, because the family includes um, a, an adult child who is extremely mentally challenged. And was there a way in which we could graciously lead that adult through to the comfort of God? And frankly, uh, at the end of the service and after we'd done everything, there was, uh, in my mind, uh, how did we do? Did it work for that person? Well, <laughs> would you believe just a couple hours before Cecil died, a letter came across my desk that I want you to see today. It's gonna to be on the screen, and I want you to note how it's written because I think it says that the comfort of God flowed through this group and this church into this person's life. Now, this is somebody trying to, in their language and their writing skills, tell us what happened. It says, that wonderful lunch, T-H-A-K, wonderful lunch. This pretty good, thank you. And we, we whited out for the sake of privacy. We whited out the family's name. It was in the middle there. And I'll, I'm going to hold and treasure that card for a very, very long time. Because to me, it speaks of the comfort of God being experienced and felt by somebody through the life of this church, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And they may not have the, the um, full emotional and intellectual capabilities to express it. As a matter of fact, look at, look at the envelope. I say kudos to the post office that we even got it. <laughs> you know what? Scripture is very clear about this. In 2 Corinthians, um, there's a discussion about how this comfort of God goes from us to others, and it kind of comes full circle, and it's like God working in all of us together, 
It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. You know, the only reason he can say that is because that's been his experience. He's leaned in and has experienced the work of the Holy Spirit taking the load in the past. And when he's fallen down in the past, he knows that the Holy Spirit's going to lift him up. And so he says, praise be to that God, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we abundantly share in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I love it. I love it. The God of all comfort. That well-worn path. The markers along the way, the leaning in, the one called alongside to help makes a difference in our lives. I'd like to illustrate it or just share one more thing with you this morning that I think will help you catch it just a little more deeply. Uh, A number of weeks ago, uh, I was visiting one of the staff members of our church, Pastor Tim. And we were talking about this, that, and the other. And he said, oh, by the way, I've got a letter from my grandfather that um, I think you should look at. Just, it was more or less out of two friends having a chat. And he passed me this letter. And the next thing I said, hey, I, I, I want, do you mind if I use that? I was working on this sermon and preparing it for this week. I said, I think this describes what happens when it comes to the God of all comfort. So I want to read to you a letter from um, Tim's grandfather, who was a sergeant in the uh, Korean conflict. And I think you're going to hear the story of God's comfort. It reads this way. It was in the midwinter of 1950-51. I was with the infantry in South Korea. We boarded an old Korean train with the windows all broke out. We rode it for a day and a half, and we unloaded at a small deserted village at the foot of a mountain range. Can you imagine? Winter time, you're riding in an old train. The windows are all busted out. It's cold. You're on there for a day and a half, and you arrive at a village where there's nobody there. It was there that our company commander read us an order that had been sealed. It stated there was a force of some 500 enemy guerrillas heading our way and they were spoiling for a fight. It was our job to stop them. Young kids, soldiers, got to be afraid. I was told to take my platoon onto the outpost position. In other words, we were going to be at the front of everybody else. The outpost position was a point of land giving us a total view of the entire company's front. Being the outpost, It would become our job to engage the enemy first, thereby alerting the whole company. The snow was about knee deep, and the temperature that night was about 24 degrees below zero. That's really cold. Colder than I think is right. It's not just not right, but nonetheless. After positioning my men, I told them to get some rest because we were supposed to get hit before morning, and they would all need the rest they could get. I told them I would take the guard watch. There was an old, gnarled, windswept tree at the top of the point. And there was a limb just high enough that I could lean on with my elbows. With my body up against the trunk, I could blend into the tree shadows. So you got this young guy leaning onto a tree like this, hiding in the shadows. There was a full moon. The snow in the valley sparkled like diamonds, and under different circumstances, it would have been beautiful. As I stood there, I started thinking about war, and I started talking to someone. I thought about my men. They were really boys, ranging in age from 18 to about 25 years. None of them had ever been married. None of them had yet lived life to the fullest, and I prayed, Lord, we all have families at home who are praying for our safe return. 
Then, there in that 24 degree below zero cold, it actually felt as though an arm that I could feel the weight of, a heavy arm, was placed around my shoulders. I became so warm, and all at once I felt so at peace. I stepped back from the tree and dropped my head, and how long I stood there, I don't know to this day. In my own mind, though, I know what happened. I knew that I had stood with God. I stood with God that night on the mountaintop, and it was his arm that I had felt around my shoulders, and the great sense of peace I felt was his blessing. You know what that was? That was the Spirit of God. Who do we say the Holy Spirit is? The one called alongside to help, the one to stand beside us, the one who falls down with us, the one who carries our load. I would suspect in a room of this size, there are plenty of people who say, Wayne, if you knew what was in front of me this week or what I experienced last week, you wouldn't know how deep I am and how close I am to falling down and dropping my load. I'm I'm about to lose everything. I want to tell you, friends, the work of the Holy Spirit can lift you up. Lean in. Lean in hard and let him carry your load. Would you stand together and let's pray about it, please? Lord God in heaven, there are people in this room who have all kinds of stuff. Um... And there are crises and moments of chaos. And for Lord, some it's, hey, the coming week's sweet. It's really sweet. And for others, God, it's a case where the coming week is full of all kinds of challenges. I pray, Lord, that regardless, that uh, your Holy Spirit would walk beside us. Lord, if there's some yet who have not yet come to a decision to make that 180-degree turn, I pray that they would do that. If there are others here, God, who would say, man, it's really rough and I need to know the work of the Spirit in my life this week. I pray, Lord, that your presence would be very close, like that arm around them. And Lord, may they be able to step out of the shadows of the tree and away from the limb and not lean there, but instead lean into you and experience your peace. God, we're looking for signposts along the way and well-worn paths of what you've done in our lives before, and we'll, we will follow you to, the, to, to, the, to who we are through you, as you teach us and lead us and guide us and comfort us in all things. And we pray this in Christ's name.